You're listening to the Australian Army Training and Doctrine Podcast. This is Exercise Hamill 2016. I'm Captain Sharon Maskeldare and I've come to Headquarters Brigade, Maine to meet up with Major Kelly Dunn, who's the officer commanding of the Close Health Company, supporting one brigade during the exercise. Major Dunn, you've just come off asleep during the day. You're on the night shift tonight, and we've managed to find a quiet space to have this interview. So what's in store for you tonight? Tonight I'll be um, doing really two main things. So we have two separate sides of the house. We have the, the real casualties that we sustain and then the simulated casualties, which is part of the exercise construct. So what my job to do tonight is to manage both sides of that. So obviously the real casualties, so if anyone out there does get injured or ill, we have to arrange for their evacuation, their prioritisation, and that can be via a host of means, via either a, a surface evacuation, what we call, which is basically a, a road ambulance or uh, via aeromedical evacuation so we get a helicopter to come in and pick them up and fly them off to a hospital so that's sort of the, the real casualty space so we do that and we track the casualties we make sure we marry them up with their equipment and notify their unit that something's happened and then in the simulated sense uh, we we also monitor the casualties and we have a bunch of people that go around uh, monitoring the guys that are out there fighting the battle and they, uh, if they believe someone uh, would have sustained casualties they will uh, basically hand out cards notifying someone that you are now a casualty uh, and we also treat those roughly in the same manner. We just have, um, I guess, that they're actually not injured and ill so we have a little bit more time to play with if, if we need it and the real casualties will always take priority over that. So that's basically what I'll be doing tonight. And as the officer commanding, um, what is your role specifically? So my role is to command and control the health assets as well as provide advice to Commander One Brigade about how to employ his health assets that are attached to him. So my company's got about 140 people and that's split between Darwin, which is the majority, and a small element in Adelaide and quite a number of those staff out here on Excise Hamill as well. And they will be out there doing their business and my role is really to provide them with the guidance they need and the direction to prioritise casualties, get their logistics support and I guess understand the warfighting plan. So Commander One Brigade will come up with his plan and that will involve all the manoeuvre elements, all the infantry, the armoured corps, artillery doing their bits and pieces and my job is to understand their plan and factor in what medical support they will need around that and move my assets around to meet their plan. So if someone is going a really long way forward, I obviously need to make sure that they've got some medical assets close to them so that if something were to happen, they don't have to travel back many, many kilometres to get care. So it's a bit of a fine balance. There's never enough asset to go around to have as much as you'd like. So one of the things we do is is try and get it right between making sure everyone's got a little bit of something and that anywhere where there's a high risk, we always um, try and put a quite larger health element there. So that's what my guys are out doing and, uh, and I try and do my best to support them while they're out there. What are the challenges then of that role? Because it sounds like you've got a lot of moving parts, that you've got to get them all to come together at the right time in the right place. 
Yeah, so there's there's quite a few challenges. It is that um, we we never have as much as many people as we'd like to to do all the different things that are required of them, but they are such a versatile bunch. They're so flexible uh, and they work so incredibly hard because. Uh, most of them just they've joined the army with this sense of wanting to serve and they will go above and beyond to make sure that if anyone is a casualty that they will be well looked after that challenge of, of just not having as many people out there on the battle space is one of the greatest ones uh, and also I think my ability to sort of travel around whilst there's a, a simulated war on uh, is a little bit tricky um, but we have uh, the amazing sort of support of the signalers that help us with the communications and that allows us to overcome that. Yeah. What kind of training have you had for your role? Do you have a medical background yourself? So I don't have specifically a clinical background. Um, I My background is in management. So I studied, my undergrad was um, through the University of New South Wales at ADFA, uh, studying management. And then in postgrad, I've studied a uh, master's in health management, specialising in emergency and disaster response. So really looking at a lot of that humanitarian aid stuff, overseas support. So that's, I guess, my specialty skill. Um, but I definitely am not a clinical person. So I have a team around me that provides me with that advice. How does that work then that you have that management expertise and you're working with medical specialists? How does that relationship play out? Yeah, so it's it's a really tricky thing to get your head around when you first come into medical corps. I certainly joined um, in far more military focus than a medical focus throughout my training. Uh, And the specialists obviously being the doctors and nurses, physios, medics, a whole wide range of specialists. They uh, come in from their normal civilian universities doing their degrees and they come in with very little military experience. So I think to bridge the divide, uh, I sort of I speak army and I speak to the warfighters and they worry about the patient. So I guess we have these really clear lines where, They don't step into a management space. I I take care of that for them because that's something I can contribute to the team. Uh, And I know my limitations in that uh, I'm probably not your best person to go go to if if someone's um, bleeding or, or needs resuscitation. I'll leave that to the doctors. So we have really clear lines. I don't interfere with any clinical decision making and they don't interfere with the military decision making. It takes a little bit to work out your first sort of couple of months in the role, but once with the strength of the team and their absolute commitment to putting the casualty first on both sides, um, we, we get a pretty good mix. And very rarely is there any conflict between those two. How come did you end up in the Royal Australian Army Medical Corps? Did you not look at other corps, given the fact you have that management background? I did, I did consider other cause, um, definitely. When I was going through my training, I sort of um and about a few different options, but I actually joined the Army to help people. That was my motivation. Um, I had a very keen interest through high school of wanting to study medicine. That didn't quite work out for me. Um, so I, uh, I joined the Army and I wanted to get as close to that side as possible uh, the sort of the war fighting side and things like that I didn't think I sort of had the physical makeup for that and a lot of my mates were doing that and I thought what's the best way I can help them I can probably make sure that they get the care they needed so that's really how I ended up there I was really happy to be allocated to the medical corps and I really love a work environment where it's such an interesting challenge and there's no sort of stereotype of person I have 
a team of eight or nine different specialty types um, rather than just one. So in some cores you would just have one one type of uh, trade and whereas I have eight or nine to bounce between and different mix of backgrounds, not everyone's gone through the same training, they've all had separate lives to army and that makes it really interesting and unique and I really enjoy that. When you finished your degree at ADFA, then what came next for you? So after the Australian Defence Force Academy, uh, we went across the hill just next door to the Royal Military College Duntroon. Uh, and that was a huge shift for me because obviously ADFAR, the focus is very much the university degree. There is some military stuff mixed in there. Going over the hill to Duntroon, it's far more regimental. The challenges are greater for your average person. It's more intense. The hours are longer. Uh, and they're really, that's all for a specific reason, which is to do that polishing off to make you a leader. And I think in order to make you a good military leader, you need to have done a bit of hard yards. You need to have been able to walk the walk to an extent with the people you're going to be commanding. And you can't do that if you've just sat at a university for, uh, for a couple of years. So I really, um, whilst at the time I probably wouldn't have said I was enjoying it because it was quite challenging. Um, in hindsight, it absolutely was what I needed to do. It prepared me so well for the job I was going to take on. And uh, I, I absolutely loved the friendships that were forged there. Um, and those people that I met, they're friends to this day. And, you know, you can always pick up the phone and call all around Australia and know someone that you went through either ADFA or Duntroon with and they'll be on the other end of the line and they can help you out if you need anything. As a general service officer then, as a GSO, what kind of training then did you undertake after Duntroon to set you up for where you are today? Yeah, so um, as a GSO, after graduating from Duntroon, you go to the School of Logistics down in Bandiana uh, and you do a course called Logistics Officer Basic Course or LOBC. And that's a couple of months. So you go through, um, in medical course sense, you do a what we call a special core phase, which just focuses on medical stuff. And then once that's complete, once you've got your grounding in your specialty core, you then go across and you do generic logistics. And that's really helpful because quite often um, medical core works with the rest of the logistic cores, being transport, ordnance and, um, and electrical mechanical engineers. So we all work together. We're often co-located. We come under a lot of the same arrangements. So having a broad understanding of the bits and pieces that they do and them getting an insight into us helps us work together I think so I, I really enjoyed learning about the logistics side um, but I do I do enjoy defaulting back to my my medical course specialty because that's that's my favorite. You ended up becoming the adjutant at Duntroon though didn't you? I did, um, which was a bit of a, you probably going through as a trainee, you'd never want to go back there because I think you need a bit of separation after uh, after going through as a trainee. But um, it was a, a real passion of mine, knowing the things that I struggled with when I was a trainee. And I think everyone has their own struggles, particularly as a female, as a woman, I struggled physically uh, and I needed sort of a female role model that I could look up to and I was very fortunate and blessed to have uh, a couple of those when I was a trainee and I really wanted to provide that um, to someone else as I said I I joined the army to help people and it really fit nicely with that um, sort of mindset that I, I really wanted to help people that were struggling because I think so many people don't have that faith in themselves that they can do it you know in those hard times we default to oh it's too hard I'm not going to get through this and all you need is that little bit of encouragement the people that have gone before you just saying look I know it's hard but actually 
you know, back yourself. You really can do this. You can push through. Um, and I really wanted to provide that, especially for women. That was my, I guess, my bias because I, I was one of 10 women in my graduating class of about 120. And you're such a small group um, and you, there's such a high focus on you sometimes that you really want to encourage other women to do well. So that was something I really looked forward to providing. And then, yes, I went into Duntroon as an instructor. I met so many fantastic male and female cadets and they were just brilliant and it really invigorated my passion for instruction and mentoring and I really loved that and then uh, yeah after my first year I wound up as the adjutant which is kind of a unique role because it's more of a uh, disciplinary role and it's quite a um, another regimental function at that unit um, which is not necessarily aligned to my normal nature being sort of the, the bossy one that comes in and, and makes uh, all the rules up but it allowed me to have more access to the trainees and rather than focus on yelling and screaming really actually focus on education about why we're doing things a certain way and, and better preparing them to lead when it when it became their time so about yeah seven or eight years after I went through as a trainee I was back um, actually instructing them and and helping them so gone full circle I guess. And now you're here at Exercise Hamill what do you think an exercise like this can contribute to training within the Australian Army? Yeah so Exercise Hamill I guess is really just the culmination of everything we work for throughout the year so back in barracks we do a lot of medical training serials we do a lot of military training serials to get ourselves ready for exercises like this because it's really a display of the capability that we can provide um, and what we would do if we had to deploy on operations so it's absolutely critical that we come on these exercises and and practice what we preach in a way, making sure that we are up to the task and that in particular for us, we're there to support one brigade up in Darwin and down in Adelaide as well. And we wouldn't be doing our part right if we didn't actually prepare well ourselves to support them. And the good thing about being a medical corps is that we get practice all the time because at the end of the day, people always get injured, uh, even during training. Uh, so we're actually doing our business all the time. The, the sad thing, I guess, is that when we're getting a lot of education benefit, someone else is having the worst day of their lives. So it's a, it's a fine balance. It's a really good clinical experience, but obviously balancing it with that sensitivity that there's a real patient on the ground there and they're hurting and we need to... Um, to look after them as best we can. Major Kelly Dunn, thank you very much. This is Captain Sharon Maskeldare reporting from Exercise Hamill 2016. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia. <laughs>